stop. This message could save you from investing your precious time into a true crime story that goes nowhere. Avoid that disappointment. You need True Crime Feed Podcast. Unlimited premium true crime curated for you. Find out about a female serial dater turned serial killer. The truth about the D.A.R.E. program. Bizarre black markets, political murder plots, and a school for troubled teens so horrific it could be a Stephen King novel. True Crime Feed sifts the archives from the past decade to select the best cases and gives you a quick overview sprinkled with a teensy bit of humor, plus a weekly top three power ranking for shows currently trending, and lets you know what shows to send down your podcast queue trapdoor. You know you want those thrill chills, so come and get them. Subscribe to True Crime Feed. That's True Crime F-E-E-D wherever you get your podcasts. If there is one dream that you could say is universal, it's becoming a millionaire. Having all the money at your disposal to live whatever type of life you want is a reality for so few people. They're literally known as the 1%. This dream is especially hard to reach as a black person unless you want to become an entertainer. But there was one man who defied the odds and started a successful business. Sadly, his success ended with his life at the hands of a scorned lover. This is the case of Lance Herndon. Some say that Lance Herndon came from humble beginnings. He was born into a working-class family in New York City in 1955. At some point during his childhood, his father left the family. His mother, Jackie, was left to face the challenges of being a single parent, striving daily to provide for the family. That is when his mother would make a tough decision. She sent her young child to live with his grandparents. Lance would resume his childhood, being raised on their farm in Virginia, where he learned the principles of diligence and discipline. Some believe that this led to his extremely successful future. Following his years on the farm, Lance returned to New York to reunite with his mother. Having a passion for math and science during his youth, he gained acceptance into a rigorous electronic study program at George Westinghouse High School in Brooklyn. Subsequently, he earned a bachelor's degree in computer science from the City University of New York. Upon completing his degree, Herndon made the move to Atlanta, a thriving hub for young black professionals at that time. He founded Access Incorporated, a company he started from scratch. He ultimately transformed it into the premier computer consulting firm in the Southeast. From the very start of his tech career, Lance Herndon was displaying a clear knack for finding success. He established himself as a prominent business figure in Atlanta, gaining massive recognition for his company. His computer consulting firm secured lucrative contracts, including ones with esteemed clients like the City of Atlanta and Nations Bank. At the age of 41, Herndon received a National Service Award at the White House from President George Bush in 1988. His business acumen was commended by former President Bill Clinton during his administration. In 1995, 
Atlanta Mayor Bill Campbell selected Herndon as one of the city's business leaders to accompany him on a trade mission to South Africa. Being an African-American, Herndon was widely known in the minority community for his philanthropic efforts. Those acquainted with Herndon characterized him as both ambitious and driven. Yet he was also recognized for his unwavering loyalty and dependability as a friend. His generosity extended to numerous charitable endeavors, with a particular focus on initiatives benefiting children. However, Herndon had a notable vulnerability, his romantic relationships. By the year 1996, he had experienced three marriages and divorces. His last marriage to flight attendant Janine Price ended because of his infidelity. Following his divorce, he immersed himself in the dating scene, engaging with multiple women simultaneously. Regrettably, one of these women was Dion Bowe, his unstable girlfriend, who ultimately became the tragic end of his life. Dion Bowe originated from the island nation of Jamaica, growing up within a large extended family. As she was growing up, some members of her family migrated to Atlanta, where they found success in real estate. Known as a black mecca, Atlanta boasts prestigious African-American colleges, black history museums, a vibrant arts and music scene, and has been a breeding ground for many prominent black leaders in history. Dion harbored a long-standing desire to relocate there. And her wish came true after marrying an Air Jamaica pilot named Sean Nelson. In Atlanta, Dion took on the role of an executive assistant at the Metropolitan Atlanta Rapid Transit Authority. At the same time, she was also pursuing studies in finance at Georgia State University. Dion and Sean welcomed a daughter, Amanda, in 1992. However, the reality of life as a working mother in the suburbs fell short of her expectations. Sean's frequent international piloting commitments left Dion longing for more, and in his absence, she engaged in relationships with other men. Seeking a more fulfilling life, Dion found what she was looking for in Lance Herndon. Dion had a desire for the finer things in life, and sought companions who could provide her with material luxuries. Herndon willingly fulfilled this desire, gifting her items like a new Mercedes and a credit card in her name. Dion told her husband that Lance was just a mentor, but he understood what was going on when he saw the new car. He returned to Jamaica with their daughter, sending Dion the message that their relationship was now over. With this change, Dion was now free to fully devote herself to Lance Herndon. However, a challenge emerged as she struggled to capture his undivided attention. Herndon maintained regular relationships outside of his with Dion. In fact, he reportedly had two other girlfriends in addition to dating her. She became furious upon discovering that she wasn't Herndon's exclusive girlfriend. This revelation triggered a dark obsession with Herndon becoming the focal point of her rage. And Lance Herndon would begin seeing that rage soon enough. In July of 1996, 
Dion unexpectedly appeared at Herndon's residence and witnessed him with another woman through the window. Enraged, she pounded on the door, repeatedly rang the bell, and called him several times. Lance refused to allow her entry, overwhelmed by fear, as he had never encountered such a situation before. Dion was apprehended by the police at the scene and faced charges of criminal trespassing. Instead of pursuing charges, Lance personally went to the police station to bail her out. It appeared that he might have believed he bore some responsibility for the incident, perhaps thinking he had pushed her to that point. The incident marked a turning point for Herndon, leading him to confide in friends that he intended to terminate the six-month relationship. He had already initiated financial detachment by restricting her use of his credit cards. Allegedly, he intended to end his relationship with Dion after resolving her trespassing charge. The court appearance was scheduled for August 8, 1996. However, on that afternoon, neither of them appeared, a particularly unusual occurrence for Lance. Lance Herndon adhered to a strict routine. He always awoke at 4 a.m. to the blaring of three alarms and settled into his home office by 5 a.m. When his staff arrived at 8 that morning, Lance was nowhere to be found. He had even discussed the day's plans with his employees, giving the impression that he intended to work. Concerned, they contacted his mother. Upon getting the call, Herndon's mother rushed to his home, only to be confronted with a horrifying scene when she checked her son's bedroom. There, on the bed, lay Herndon's lifeless body, with his head brutally beaten, leaving blood splattered on the walls and ceiling. She immediately contacted the police, who arrived at the crime scene to initiate an investigation. Intriguingly, there were no signs of forced entry, and it appeared that nothing had been taken except for Herndon's laptop. Silver gum wrappers were scattered near the garage, and a clock in Herndon's room was frozen at 4.10 a.m. State Medical Examiner Chris Sperry took charge and confirmed the absence of defensive wounds. Herndon appeared to have been asleep when the attack occurred and was caught off guard. She further identified that the assailant used a blunt weapon, delivering at least a dozen blows to Herndon. The medical examination concluded that the likely murder weapon was an adjustable crescent wrench. Upon revisiting the scene, the maid informed investigators that a crescent wrench was absent from Herndon's residence. Furthermore, the police managed to determine the time of death, placing it between midnight and 4.10 a.m. This information stemmed from an interview with Talana Carraway, a former girlfriend of Herndon's, who was currently employed by him. She informed investigators that she had been on the phone with Lance from 10.30 p.m. to midnight. The police initiated interviews with potential suspects, including individuals who were either current or former romantic interests of the victim. Among them was the ex-wife, Janine, who initially appeared as a plausible suspect due to being the beneficiary of Herndon's $1 million life insurance policy. She was subsequently ruled out as a suspect based on a convincing alibi. Sean Nelson was also considered a suspect until it was established that he was in Jamaica at the time of the murder. The reason that Nelson was even considered a suspect 
was because Dion pointed the police in his direction. Following her earlier outburst and arrest a month ago, police sought to interview Dion. Detectives awaited her return home from work that day. Upon learning of Herndon's death, she became hysterical. During the conversation, she mentioned that her husband had been in Atlanta that weekend and had engaged in heated phone exchanges with Herndon. However, he had departed the city the night of the murder at nine, while Herndon's estimated time of death ranged between midnight and four in the morning. Subsequently, the focus turned to Dion herself. Dion asserted that Herndon visited her house in Norcross that night to lend her his laptop. According to her, Herndon was there between 9 and 10.30 that night. She also admitted Herndon gave her money and had told her he was cutting her off. To prosecutors, this showed a clear motive. However, insufficient evidence prevented the police from charging her. Eighteen months elapsed, with no new leads. However, in 1998, a breakthrough emerged from a tip provided by Sean Nelson, who was undergoing a divorce from Baugh. During a heated argument months earlier, Nelson had questioned Dion about her involvement in Herndon's death, leading to a violent reaction from her. She threatened to kill him, stating, just like she did Lance. Law enforcement theorizes that the person responsible for Herndon's death had been in bed with him. Court documents indicate that blood splatter marks on the wall and ceiling imply that the killer was straddling him during the incident. Subsequent analysis of head and pubic hair samples discovered on Herndon's naked body, along with skin cells found under his fingernails, eventually led to a match with Dion Bohr. Subsequently, she was arrested for the murder of Lance Herndon. On January 29th, 1998, Dion Ball was apprehended by the police and charged with the murder of Lance Herndon. Granted release on a $150,000 bond, prosecutors meticulously constructed their case against her. When the trial finally commenced in 2001, evidence presented included the fact that on the day Lance Herndon was discovered deceased, she was found in possession of his costly laptop computer, an item associates claimed he never parted with. Among the state's witnesses was Detective William Anastasio, who recounted hearsay describing Bao as a promiscuous gold digger, a portrayal vehemently contested by her defense team. According to the prosecution's narrative, Lance Herndon had grown wary of Dion and tended to terminate their relationship. Authorities contend that Herndon had confided in friends about Bo's controlling and obsessive behavior. By August 7th, Prosecutors assert that she'd realized her relationship with Lance was ending. They claimed that she was not one to be trifled with, suggesting that a combination of anger and greed fueled her actions. According to the state's theory, Dion visited Lance Herndon's house around midnight on August 7th or 8th. They believed the couple engaged in sexual activity, and Dion assaulted him afterward with a large and heavy object after the killing, prosecutors claimed that Dion took a shower to wash off the victim's blood and proceeded to help herself to Herndon's jewelry and one of his credit cards. She allegedly unplugged the victim's alarm clocks 
to avoid drawing attention. Prosecutors argue that only someone familiar with Herndon's habits would have known to unplug the clocks. Prosecutors point to forensic evidence they claim implicates Dion in the murder. Hair samples from the defendant match those found in Herndon's bed. Skin found under one of Herndon's fingernails matched Dion's DNA. Gum wrappers found at the Herndon home resembled those in Bo's purse. Vegetation found in Herndon's bedroom matched a piece found in the floorboard of the Mercedes Dion drove. Phone records indicate that Lance Herndon was at his house at 9 p.m. on August 7th, with calls made or received throughout the evening. This included two calls from the defendant and one he made to Bo at 10.53 p.m. Prosecutors argue that the defendant's claim of Lance Herndon coming to her home between 9 and 10.30 that evening is seemingly impossible. Dion's defense emphasizes that most of the evidence against their client is purely circumstantial. While they acknowledge that Bo has not always been completely truthful with authorities, they assert that the prosecution cannot meet its burden of proving beyond a reasonable doubt that she is Lance Herndon's killer. The defense rejects the prosecution's theory that Bo was angry at Lance Herndon for ending their relationship. They argue that the lovers continued their relationship after the July 10th incident in which Bo was arrested outside Lance's house. Herndon bailed her out, assisted in finding her a lawyer, and even tried to get the charges dropped. The defense contends that these actions do not align with Lance Herndon, distancing himself from Dion Bo. Disagreeing with the prosecution's view that forensic evidence strongly supports their case, the defense asserts that crime scene technicians found hairs that did not match either Ball or Lance Herndon. These hairs were never matched to anyone. The defense claims that other evidence, such as gum wrappers and leafy material left behind by the killer, is too generic to be specifically tied to their client. Additionally, None of Lance Herndon's blood was found on any of Bo's clothing, in her home, or in the Mercedes. While DNA under Lance Herndon's fingernails was identified as Bo's, the defense argues that this is unsurprising given the sexual relationship between the victim and the defendant. Even if Bo went to Herndon's home on the night of August 7th and had sex with him, the defense contends that it does not imply she killed him or was present when he died. According to the defense, other individuals were possible suspects. Kathy Collins, Lance Herndon's main girlfriend, was seen with him on July 10th. Collins claimed to be at a restaurant with her niece at the time of the murder, but police did not question the niece to corroborate her alibi. Talana Carraway had a boyfriend named Jazz Williams, who may have been jealous of Herndon. A car resembling Carraway's was seen in Herndon subdivision on the morning of August 8th. Additionally, there were suggestions of a private secret apartment in downtown Atlanta, but police did not investigate its existence. A contract employee, Norvell Harris, allegedly made threatening statements about Herndon over a salary dispute. This was just one day before his murder. The defense contends that while these clues might not conclusively lead to Lance Herndon's killer, the police had an obligation to investigate them thoroughly 
which they neglected to do in their rush to judgment against Bo. The defense asserts that this sloppiness permeates the entire case and that the prosecution lacks sufficient evidence to prove their case. The jury, however, did not agree. Following six hours and 20 minutes of deliberation, a jury found Dion Bo guilty of first-degree murder. She was sentenced to life in prison. But two years later, the Georgia Supreme Court overturned her conviction, citing that Detective Anastasio's testimony had unduly influenced the jury. The second trial concluded in a mistrial, when jurors failed to reach a unanimous decision. Subsequently, she was released on $500,000 bail, opting not to risk a third trial which could lead to the reinstatement of her life sentence. Bo entered a guilty plea in November 2004 for voluntary manslaughter. According to the Associated Press, she agreed to a 10-year prison term, followed by another 10 years of probation upon her release. Dion was released in July of 2011. Since then, she has deliberately stayed away from the public eye. While speculations circulated about her residing in Florida and Kansas, her current location remains undisclosed. To this day, there are still some who believe that we've never learned the truth regarding the murder of Lance Herndon. Was he the victim of a greedy, scorned lover who wouldn't accept the end of her lavish lifestyle? Or was there something even more sinister at play? One thing that we can all agree on is that his life ended way too soon. Lance was a thriving businessman who defied all odds and obtained the American dream with Bo pleading guilty, we have to believe that she was indeed his killer. Rest in peace, Lance Herndon. <laughs>